Welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, attorney and healthcare advocate. And this program is dedicated to the cool, calm, and reasoned consideration of healthcare policy and politics. And every so often, we might even have a laugh because if you can't laugh at what's going on now, you just don't have a pulse. Many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain registration. Learn more about them by going to pair.com. That's P-A-I-R.com. We start with the news and the astonishing events which have transpired in just the last week. Despite the election of Donald Trump and their comfortable majority in the House of Representatives and control of the Senate, the Republicans had the ball and an open field to secure repeal of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, just as they had promised they would for seven years. And, well, you know what? They fumbled the ball. Big time. Bigly. Bigly fumbled the ball. Even with the president's uh, self-proclaimed expertise in making the deal. So if this is the art of making the deal, I think I'd rather have no deal at all. Ultimately, it became apparent that the Republican bill was essentially a massive tax cut for the top 4% at the expense of tens of millions who would lose their insurance. And people figured that out. In one of the final polls before the bill was pulled on Friday, uh, some 82% of Americans surveyed had a distinct and clear opinion about Trump care, and that was no thank you. So in an effort to secure the final dozen votes required, the president was even prepared to sacrifice the 10 essential benefits required of all insurance under the Affordable Care Act, that not just the insurance on the market exchanges or the expansion of Medicaid, all insurance. If you get your, your health insurance through your employer, Part of what the Affordable Care Act did was to make sure it had at least the 10 essential basics so that your insurance actually meant something and wasn't just Swiss cheese covering nothing. So on Friday, the the Speaker of the House uh, sucked it up, went out front, and announced that uh, the bill is going to be withdrawn, that uh, he had realized that there's a difference between being the party of no and actually having to do something. And he figured out, uh, just as we all had figured out, that repeal and replace was not a plan. It was just a really good slogan. And they loved that slogan. And Republicans, nobody beats Republicans when it comes to slogans. My favorite is death tax. That's my favorite. Uh, but that's this is a health care show, not a tax show. So it, um, it looks like we're going to actually have a chance to, to get something done. And when we return from a break, a very short break, we're going to dive into that in a serious way because you heard it here first, folks. We're going to get health care for all, Medicare for all in 2017. It's amazing. It may be unbelievable. Come back and I'll tell you how. This is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. See you in a minute. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. Or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crazy! 
Don't surf it! I can't! It's too heavy! Oh my god! Or D, just roll with it. Woo! Justin! Look at us, we're over here! Justin! Justin! OMG! He just looked... I love you, Justin! I love you! When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org slash AL. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. And you are with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, and this is Steve Larchuk, healthcare advocate and attorney. In a few minutes, our guest for the week will be Chuck Jones. Uh, He is the president of the United Steelworkers Local 1999 in Indiana, uh, which is the union, you may recall, that was associated with the carrier air conditioning manufacturer, which became the focus of candidate Trump's uh, ire. Uh, just bombastic ire against companies that were moving jobs to Mexico. And this was really the poster child for that. And Chuck Jones, the president of that local union that was most directly affected by the loss of jobs, uh, became briefly famous as one of the never-ending series of people who Donald Trump has insulted through his vicious tweets uh, right, as you know, the, the only person left in the world who hasn't been insulted by Donald Trump is Vladimir Putin. So eventually, maybe even he'll get his turn in the barrel. But Chuck was, uh, was uh, given the treatment, and, and his crime, as he will discuss a little bit later, was that when the president, then president-elect, said that he had single-handedly saved 1,100 uh, carrier jobs, uh, Chuck, the president of the union, said, well, I'm sorry, sir, excuse me, it's 800. We really appreciate it, but it's only 800. And, of course, uh, Donald Trump went nuts and ballistic and just tweeted uh, the heck out of poor Chuck. But the, as interesting as that is, the reason we have him on the show, Chuck Jones, on the show is because uh, USW Local 1999 is just one of the most recent unions around the country who has voted to endorse the concept of national single-payer and specifically the bill that John Conyers has been introducing every two years in Congress, known as H.R. 676. But before we turn to Chuck and talking to him about his tweet experience with Donald Trump and the uh, single-payer and all of the other things that are very interesting about his 30 years in labor with regard to health care. I want to just talk a little bit about where we are. Uh, Before we took the break, I made this bold prediction. And when I make this prediction among my friends, they just shake their heads, but I'm going to make it here. By the end of 2017, we will have a Medicare for all or something really close to it in the United States. Now, I, when people shake their heads, I just uh, say a few things to them. First, the Republicans proved that they never had a plan for American health care. They said they wanted to repeal and replace, and when the time came to actually prove they had a plan, they showed they had none. All they had was a slogan. But they had, that had to happen first. Until the Republicans took their shot to try and just gut the Affordable Care Act and deprive people of their coverage, appeal back or, re, or restrict the Medicaid expansion, until they tried to do that, 
until they tried to repeal all the taxes that paid for the health care and give this whopping gift to the wealthy, before we could do anything else, the Republicans had to try and do that. And they tried. And they could not have failed in a more spectacular fashion if they had wanted to. It was If you wind back the tape and just say, gee, what other mistakes could they have made? There just aren't any. When they say they left it all in the field, they mean they left every conceivable mistake on the field, and that's what they did. So think about it. Uh, it is said that the Lord works in mysterious ways. Had Hillary Clinton won, there would be no chance of a single-payer solution. No chance. Never in American history has there been a president who has been in such desperate need of a popular win as Donald Trump. Nor have we ever had a president in our history who so craved a legacy. And solving the health care crisis, whether you call it Trump care or Donald care or whatever you want to call it, it would make his life. This is what he craves more than a great real estate deal. So where do we go from here? Over the next weeks, uh, we will continue to discuss exactly where we are going to go from here. But of all the mountains of commentary over the weekend, since the Trump care crashed and burned on Friday, right up to today, the, the single most sensible observations and suggestions came from the most popular politician in the United States. And, uh, you know, that's sometimes an oxymoron, popular politician. But it just so happens that there is one. There's a politician who has a 62% approval rating according to the most recent Fox News poll. And this is only a couple of days old. 62% from Fox, and that is Senator Bernie Sanders. Senator Bernie Sanders. You, you may have heard of him. He was the fellow who ran, of course, against Hillary Clinton for the nomination, didn't get it. I have no desire to refight that battle. But you may recall that Senator Sanders was saying throughout that campaign that we need to go to a Medicare for all system, a Medicare for all system. And, and if you remember, whether you voted for her or not, Hillary Clinton never thought that was a, a viable or realistic goal. A lot of the rest of us, whether we liked her or didn't like her, thought she was wrong on that point and that uh, Bernie Sanders was right. And so over the weekend, Bernie Sanders was being interviewed on all the news shows, and he said that his plan is to introduce his own Medicare for All bill in the next couple of weeks, and he already has his House sponsor lined up, uh, Congressman Welsh, I believe it is, from Vermont. So they, they will introduce this at the same time, and he's going to push very hard for a Medicare for All bill this year. And just... As I was waiting to go on the air, I was watching the news, and I see there's a press conference just completed, and uh, the press secretary uh, du jour, uh, for the moment, uh, Mr. Spicer, is, has said that the president is serious about working with Democrats. So let's, uh, let's think about that. We might be able to actually do it because the president needs a big, big win. Medicare for all is really a relatively simple concept. One of the things that we have to do is we have to give the Republicans something. This is politics. They're not, they, they need to be able to crow. They need to say they repealed something. I mean, just be realistic. They've been saying they're going to repeal something for seven years. So what bones can be thrown their way? Uh, first, 
they can, we can repeal the attacks on durable medical equipment. Part of the Affordable Care Act, part of the funding, uh, was to ta- put a tax on hard stuff, wheelchairs, I think, hospital beds maybe, things like that. Now, that made no sense to me then, or any, it made no sense to anybody else, frankly, but we did it. And it is the easiest of targets in the Affordable Care Act, and the Republicans, every time they are challenged on their objections, they say, hey, that's a stupid tax. Well, you know what? They're right. On that, they're right. So give it to them. Repeal the, the tax on durable medical equipment. Second, it drives the Republicans crazy that we have this individual mandate. In other words, everybody's expected one way or the other to be covered, and if you don't get insurance either through the subsidized exchanges or through expanded Medicare or Medicaid, I should say, or something, then you're going to be penalized. Your tax refund is going to be a little bit lighter because you're going to end up paying a tax. And the theory then was sooner or later, you're going to be a burden on the rest of us. So you, you ought to be required to chip in something. So that, that's, that's the second thing. And you know, that's, that is the sleeves from our vest to give that up. Because the president and Secretary Price have already made it clear, they're not going to enforce that anyway. So if they're not going to enforce the individual mandate, then why don't we repeal it and let the Republicans go home and crow and, and puff out their chest and say, see, we said we were going to repeal something, and we did. We repealed the individual mandate, and we revealed medical equipment, and we went ahead and did the rest of this, and so it can really work out. So as you're thinking about this, just keep in mind uh, the words of Martin Luther King, that of all forms of injustice, inequality in healthcare is the most shocking and inhumane. Everybody agrees with that when you tell them, even Republicans by a large agree with that. We're going to break here. Uh, That's the commentary for this week. When we return, we will have Chuck Jones, fascinating interview from a real a solid guy and a stalwart for healthcare advocacy. This is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, and we will be back shortly. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it, and you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food, because 40% of all food in the U.S. never gets eaten. Save the food. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. We're hearing a lot these days about House Speaker Paul Ryan's 123-page legislative plan for Trump Care, the GOP's so-called replacement for Obamacare. In fact, we now learn that it's actually a displacement plan. 24 million Americans who are now insured would no longer get coverage. The premiums paid by senior citizens would be jacked up, and the benefits for practically everyone would be cut. But Ryan did make sure that one group with special needs will benefit from his legislative wizardry, the CEOs of giant insurance corporations. Understandably, none of the GOP lawmakers who've been loudly crowing about killing Obamacare have mentioned a little six-line proviso hidden on page 67, discreetly titled, Remuneration from Certain Insurers. In plain English, this gob of gobbledygook offers a tax subsidy that encourages insurance conglomerates to increase the pay of their top executives. 
Current tax law says insurers can pay as much as they want to top executives, but they can only deduct $500,000 per executive from their corporate taxes. Under Ryan's ripoff, however, we taxpayers would at least double and possibly quadruple the inconscionable salary subsidies we dole out to these enormously profitable corporations. The White House and GOP Congress proclaim that their replacement of Obamacare is, quote, the will of the people. Really? How many Americans really think that jacking up the pay of super-rich insurance chiefs is a proper use of our tax dollars? And I'd say a big majority of the people would think it immoral to steal life-saving health care benefits from working class and poor families just to subsidize corporate elites who are already overpaid. This is Jim Hightower saying, if Republicans actually think their executive pay subsidy is the will of the people, why are they keeping it a secret from the people? Hightower's commentaries are brought to you by the Hightower Lowdown, the monthly newsletter with Hightower's take on what Wall Street and Washington are up to. For information, visit HightowerLowdown.org. You like working with your hands. You're good at putting things together. And you take pride in your work. Hey, with your skills and drive, you could have a satisfying, stable career as a sheet metal worker. Sheet Metal Local 12 is accepting apprentices right now. Earn while you learn to work with a product that's vital to technology and manufacturing in nearly every industry known to man. Apply today or learn more online at smlocal12.org. That's smlocal12.org. Your future begins right now. smlocal12.org. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano. Selfies on your feed. Your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times? 51. 52. When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Sing a is what it's called. Welcome, everyone, to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, healthcare advocate and attorney, and we are very lucky today to have with us a leader in the union and worker movement, Chuck Jones of the United Steel Workers. And, uh, Chuck, are you on the line with us from Indiana? Uh, yes, sir, I am, Steve. That's great. Uh, we're going to have you uh, for our entire balance of the show as our only guest and uh, the principal uh, reason for that is you have such a long career in uh, the uh, organized labor, and you've also managed to develop some recent celebrity because you've tangled with uh, Donald Trump. I don't want to dwell on that, but it's part of your story, so we'll get into that in a second. But mostly what we want to talk about is what it's been like uh, to be a, a leader in the union movement uh, watching healthcare go from something that was pretty much taken for granted and a, a non-issue to where it's just the most hotly debated issue that we have, leading up to uh, what's been happening in your union with regard to endorsing 
uh, House Bill 676. So we're going to talk about that in a second. But let's uh, talk about why you were, uh, you became a household name for your 15 minutes of fame. Back uh, specifically, uh, President Trump uh, came to Indiana and was talking about the carrier announcement that they were going to ship a whole lot of jobs to Mexico. And you somehow got involved in that. And why, why were you involved? What was your your role in all this? Well, what happened, Steve, was um, when Carrier announced the complete plant closure, uh, there was going to be about 1,200 of our bargaining unit members that were going to lose their jobs. And uh, the company uh, announced at that point in time their research and development facility, which is a non-union uh, uh, area or building on the, on the property of Carrier, was going to remain here in Indianapolis. So then when Trump and Pence got involved, uh, they kept on announcing that they had saved 1,100 jobs. And uh, we had met with the company probably about an hour before Pence and Trump were, were due to speak, and the company told us at that point in time that 730 jobs were, were going to remain here in Indianapolis, bargaining unit jobs, about another 70 uh, supervisory jobs. And I said, well, that don't equate to 1,100. They said, well, the research and development jobs. And I said, well, they never were leaving. Well, yeah, that's right. So anyway, you know, uh, Trump and Pence came on, and it was, uh, it was it was a dog and pony show, and I called it such. And uh, they didn't say anything about 550 jobs still going to go to Monterey, Mexico. They talked about how wonderful everything was, and UTC, UTC the parent company of Carrier, how great they were so forth so on so anyway the next day uh, to make a long story short i'd made some comments uh to the washington post and i said uh, it was a dog and pony show i said that uh try trump light his ass off and i said that i almost threw it in my mouth well that point in time that that picked up pretty good and cnn and msnbc and some of the other you know national news picked it up and then uh sometime uh this was like on a Wednesday uh, that I made the comment on Thursday evening. That's when Trump started tweeting out about me and uh, kind of went from there. But he never did dispute the numbers. And where my issue was, was he was saying 1,100 jobs are being saved. Well, that gave false hope to a lot of our people that thought that he had came in and saved the plant, which wasn't true because like I said earlier, he never did say anything about 550 jobs still going to Monterey, Mexico. So the people uh, were, were let down immensely on on the situation, and um, you know I was quite vocal about that. Well, I remember him t- saying the week before, a couple of weeks before that, uh, certainly before the election. I mean, he constantly was bringing up. Carrier is the sort of the the bad boy poster child, yep. And that he was going to save every job. That yep. he was he was he you know only I can do it was the kind of stuff he would say. Yeah, they're and, not going anywhere. What he what he would say. Yeah, they're not going anywhere, and he's gonna he knows how to do it. He can pick up the phone and he can bully people into keeping jobs here, and and he can single handedly defy the entire international uh, economic movement. Uh, so, be that as it may, when you you had the the courage to just say 
you know, thanks for your help, but let's not give people false hope. We saved right. that, eight, exactly 800 jobs or so, and, yeah. and you just wanted to correct the record, and, and you got this blistering, uh, yeah. over-the-top, malicious tweet from him. And, and if it's any comfort, my, my, what I say to people is if you haven't been, been insulted by Donald Trump, you just aren't trying. <laughs> well, so, you know, with him, uh, you know, I've been around the labor movement a long time, and, uh, you know, I've got somewhat of a thick skin. So when he said about me what he said, it honestly and really and truly didn't face me a bit. His opinion of me, uh, I could care less. So, you know, it wasn't anything that devastated me by any means. Uh, you know, his opinion of, of what I've been able to do within the labor movement for the last 30-some-odd years. Well, uh, let's talk about uh, about that, because the the name of our show is Healthcare Politics. We can talk about politics, but yes, sir. I'm, I suspect you're you're tired to death of talking about your your close encounter with Donald Trump. Yeah. Let's yes. talk about healthcare. Now, you've been in uh, the union movement for, you just said, it, over 30 years, and I want to go back to 30 years ago. Uh, and talk about what was what was the healthcare environment back when you started your leadership with the unions. What was what was it like back every then, year to deal with the healthcare issue? When we when back then, uh, I'm gonna go back to when I got involved uh, as far as uh, being a union rep in the middle late 1980s, 85. In fact, uh, you know the healthcare uh, was no cost, and uh, we. Uh, would go to the bargaining table, and it wouldn't be over uh, pricing or anything because, uh, like I said, the health care was free. It was uh, a 100% uh, plan after a small deductible. It wasn't no 80-20s or 90-10s or any of that. And the only thing we would try to do was improve uh, the benefits where, you know, I'll give you an example, maybe, um, you know, pap smear. Uh, wasn't on there, you know, uh, as a covered item. You know, we tried to negotiate that in or or whatever we could. Now, we had a seven-week strike in 1985 when I first got involved over health care. And what it was was a company uh, tried to impose an 80-20 plan. And uh, we told them from day one, you know, we weren't interested in no 80-20. We wanted to keep the 100% first dollar coverage we had. And it took them seven weeks to realize that, uh, you know, that we, when, we, when we struck, uh, that we were serious about it. And after seven weeks, they said, what's it going to take to get you guys back to work? And my response was, we told you from day one, do not fool with our insurance. And we were able to keep our 100% coverage and not have to go to an 80-20 plan. And that was full family coverage back then, yes, sir. correct? Yes, sir. So mm-hmm. back in the mid-'80s, you actually went on strike for seven weeks right. with the principal issue being health care benefits. That long yeah. ago, it was yes. a, a killer issue in those negotiations. Well, i tell you what. What we're going to do is we're going to uh, transition to a break here in just a few minutes, or just a few seconds, actually, for, and it's a brief break. But when we come back, what I'd like to do is talk to you a little more about sort of the history 
Okay. Uh, you've lived it, and uh, you're a, an eyewitness and ear witness to history. And it's important for people to know where we were because it's amazing how many times I talk to people about why the Affordable Care Act was even adopted, and they don't even remember how bad it used to be. So we'll talk about that when we come back. This is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Thousands sick and dying because they got no cover. Our neighbors and friends, our sisters and brothers. You're listening to Win Workers Independent News, a diversified media enterprises production. I'm Doug Cunningham. With Trump Care defeated, nurses say it's time to go for real single payer universal Medicare for all style health care. Because even with the Affordable Care Act still in place, there are still millions of people without health insurance. National Nurses United California Nurses Association co-president Deborah Berger says her union is supporting a legislative effort in California that would create universal Medicare for all health care. Essentially, it would finance the Healthy California through a number of mechanisms. One is a payroll and income tax premium, which uh, is higher for upper income earners, so it is progressive. And it would replace the insurance premiums, copays, and deductibles most people are already paying. Berger says people could go to any health care provider in California under the bill, and it's designed to cover dental and vision health care needs, too. Berger says this Medicare for All style health care coverage bill has a good chance of passing in California. It's a bill that we think has a good deal of likelihood passing. We've made it uh, what's called a two-year bill because we think that that gives us time to educate the public. Details on the California Health and Care Act can be found at calnurses.org. Thousands of Cornell University grad student workers will vote Monday and Tuesday to achieve union representation. Cornell Graduate Students United, CGSU, are affiliated with the American Federation of Teachers. AFT President Randy Weingarten was on campus over the weekend to help get out the vote. Voting is being conducted by the American Arbitration Association. There are about 2,000 members of CGSU. The grad student union at Cornell was formed in 2014. On the April 4th anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination, there will be Fight Racism Raise Pay protests in two dozen U.S. cities. Fight for 15 and the Movement for Black Lives are joining forces for the protests. The actions will include thousands of workers, civil rights leaders, and elected officials marching to the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, demanding higher wages. It's a cause that Dr. King himself fervently believed in. It is a crime. For people to live in this rich nation and receive starvation wages. Workers Independent News puts workers and their unions on the national radio news airwaves every day. To help keep Labor's voice on the air, go to laborradio.org. Win is made possible in part by the OPEIU, the Office and Professional Employees International Union. You've been listening to Win Workers Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. I'm not. M2. I'm not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. 
Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's gonna be 180 bucks. Or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing! I can't, it's too heavy! Oh my god! Or D, just roll with it. Woo, Justin, look at us, we're over here! Justin, Justin, OMG, he just looked, I love you, Justin! I love you! When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org al. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Singapore is what it's called. Welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. And this week, our guest for the hour is Chuck Jones of the United Steelworkers. Chuck Jones uh, is partially famous for his battle with Donald Trump uh, a few uh, months ago with regard to the carrier job uh, retention, and and the, the president uh, just let him have it because uh, Chuck had the uh, courage to just correct the record a little bit on, on the number of jobs that were really being saved. But here, today we're here to talk about health care. And before our break, we were talking about what it was like back when uh, Mr. Jones was a union rep. And back in the mid-'80s, uh, his particular local had to go on strike for seven weeks just to hold the line on health care. And back in those glorious days, the health care coverage was 100% paid by the employer and extended to the families. And that was just a given. And the, the unions were strong on that. And it was frankly one of the things that that uh, they could show to the, the public at large as a reason to be part of a union was because they would be willing to stand up and fight for health care. So that was in the mid-80s. Uh, what has happened since then, uh, Chuck, uh, with regard to health care in your experience in Indiana with the unions? What happened after that, Steve, was, um, like I alluded to earlier, the 80-20 would have been, you know, 100% paid by the company, but uh, our people would have been responsible for 20% of whatever the bill was once they reached the out-of-pocket maximum, uh, and you know, that's what we wasn't well on to do. But uh, eventually... In the 90s, uh, everybody was going to that 80-20 split or a 90-10 split, uh, and uh, people were going into their pocket quite a bit in order to satisfy their percentage. And uh, health care kept on, the cost kept on rising. So then pretty soon, uh, everybody's going into uh, them type programs and then also were paying uh, for our health care coverage, which was uh, something completely different. You know, uh, all of those items were bargained. Some of them, uh, different facilities were quite a bit higher, uh, you know, split. It might have been a 75 paid by the company, 25 by, by the uh, employee, or 90-10, or whatever the case may be. But uh, since then, we've seen the insurance, for the most part, uh, keep on going up to the point where a lot of times we have to go into bargaining table 
and in order to keep the employee cost down because the premiums are so high, we have to bastardize uh, the coverage. And, uh, you know, you just hate that where uh, what you're doing is in order to keep the premium down, you're taking a, a lesser uh, or you're paying more uh, for certain items if you do, you in fact, use the insurance. And uh, it's, it's really now a big portion of uh, our bargaining with the companies on on contracts where before it, it wasn't uh, really a, a factor at all for the most part. Is it your impression that the management actually likes being in charge of health care for their employees? No. I, you know, I don't think that they, they want any part of it because a lot of their time and effort is consumed on on uh, the, the you know the healthcare situation. So uh, I would imagine that uh, they would uh, you know feel better about the whole situation if they didn't have to fool with it. And you know that's what's kind of uh, unknown of why a lot of these companies aren't jumping uh, in, in uh, the same situation that we're trying to do and go single-payer health care, you would think the companies would be in favor of that so that they wouldn't have to fool with it. Well, we read all the time that the, the steelmakers and other big industry in the United States is competing with companies from uh, the United Kingdom or Germany or Japan, South Korea, all these these places. And uh, one of the things that these most of these other industrialized countries have is they do have a single-payer system of some sort and yet it seems to be so difficult to find an American manufacturer that's willing to step up and say you know why don't we do that uh, yeah that, it, it makes absolutely no sense well have you ever had that conversation with management and said why don't you all join us and let's go to Washington and talk to the president or the congress and, and arm in arm and say look labor and management agree we need to go to a single-payer system. Have you ever had that uh, conversation? No, I never have had that conversation, but, uh, you know, without a doubt, it, it makes sense. And, and uh, you know, I'm, uh, definitely something that I think uh, we should have been doing all along, but, you know, I probably need to really focus in on that, you know, because the insurance, as everybody well knows, uh, is out of control. And uh, it's... Sure as hell, I ain't gonna get any better. Well, let's. We've got the time, and one of the reasons I like having just one guest each week is so that we can we can actually uh, dig into some of the details. You just said that uh, the healthcare situation is bad, right. and every one of us has our own individual story. But from your point of view, being responsible for a lot of members and their families, what is bad about it? Why do you say it's bad? What's wrong with it? Well, you know, we've got, uh, we represent 12 different facilities, and some of them, uh, you know, have got a small uh, membership. And so consequently, it doesn't take too many bad things to happen, uh, you know, as far as health care to rack up uh, a pretty good bill. And insurance is based on experience, and if you have a couple uh, tragic incidents, it can really uh, boost the rates up the following year. So what happens is uh, on situations like this, it gets to the point where one of them 
you know, we had to end up agreeing to a, a plan that before the, the insurance company pays anything, a person has to go $3,000 into their pocket, I mean, for everything, you know. So consequently, it's basically a $3,000 deductible for anything's paid. So what we see is people that have something that maybe they need medical attention because they don't want to have to lay the money out, they don't get it addressed. Well, then pretty soon what they had turns into a severe situation, and then they have to go. Consequently, that costs them money, but then it also uh, you know, makes the insurance uh, pay out a lot, which consequently affects you know the next time we go to the bargaining table on, on their rates. So it's a counterproductive type system where people don't go when they should. Maybe they could go ahead and get the treatment and not have to go through big ordeals on uh, a major operation or something that could have been dealt with with that one you know, if they went earlier. We like to try and be fair on this show. If, if I had a, a person, a conservative, sitting here next to me, they'd probably say, well, why don't they use health savings accounts? They can, uh, the employee can park some money on pre-tax basis into a health savings account, and then they'll have that $3,000. What would you say right. to that person? Well, they, they, you know, they could make that argument, uh, you know, with uh, a lot of our people. Yeah, you know, maybe they, they should use that option. But, uh, you know, here uh, people, for the most part, are uh, getting by on a shoestring, and uh, they, they don't do it, and, and they they, they uh, take a gamble somewhat that they're not going to get ill. So, you know, uh, if we had some sort of stable insurance system in this country where Medicare for all or whatever, that that, that wouldn't happen. I mean, you know, what's really amazing to me, the greatest country uh, in this world, and people are having to choose whether the elderly in particular, whether to eat or take prescriptions and uh, we got people without health care, and uh, the situation in D.C. right now, if in fact it, it passes, is going to be a disaster for a lot of people. And it's really a shame that uh, this is happening, and uh, the richer 2% are getting some sort of uh, tax uh, decrease. Well, that's uh, the that's the way it's shaping up right now. Who knows where it'll end up? But we're going to take another break here shortly. And when we come back for our third segment with you, uh, Mr. Jones, we're going to talk about how your union local has joined about 600 others around the country to endorse H.R. 676, which is the Medicare for All bill pending in Congress right now. So when we come back from the break, we'll talk about uh, why you did that. So this is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Some bureaucratic middleman you don't even know. Paying seven times more than anywhere else. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. 
For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true. I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow, right where you live? That it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow. But shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. And we are back with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, and this week's guest is Chuck Jones, who's a union leader from the great state of Indiana and involved uh, with the uh, carrier thing that was going on where Carrier announced it was going to ship a lot of jobs to Mexico, and the president got involved, and Chuck was right there in the middle of it all, and there was a big tweet storm, and we already talked about that, but what I want to talk about is something that's just happened recently, uh, Chuck, and that is that your union has joined about 650 others from around the country and endorsed H.R. 676, which is what a lot of us refer to as the Conyers bill. Uh, it's a, a bill for adoption of a universal health care plan at the federal level, essentially taking Medicare and expanding it to the whole country. And... Uh, there's an organization called Unions for Single Payer, which has been collecting the endorsements, and now your, your particular union local has joined the club. And why did you do that? Well, you know, I think that uh, our executive board felt without a doubt that uh, that's the best thing for this country to go for uh, this, this bill uh, because it would provide people with affordable insurance and everybody would be covered and uh i don't you know think that anybody had any misgivings that uh signing on this bill endorsing it was the right thing to do well when you talk to people out there in indiana indiana is almost always a, a state that votes republican it voted for barack obama in 2008 but that was a real exception to the rule but when you talk to your neighbors and friends and you say, hey, I'm, I'm for this single-payer Medicare for all, what kind of pushback do you get out there in Indiana? Really, I tell you what, uh, I think even your, uh, the people that are right-wing Republicans, uh, I don't get a whole hell of a lot of pushback, but the ones that do have issues with it uh, are the same ones that have issues with uh, whether it's... Um, 
Medicare um, or Medicaid or uh, any type of things that would help people, whether it's food stamps or whatever. A lot of folks feel like that uh, they ought to be able to provide their own health care. And, uh, you know, that would be wonderful if everybody was in a financial situation where they could do that. But uh, we all know that that's not the case, and especially in Indiana. You know, there's a lot of people that are really suffering uh, if, in, in fact, this latest uh, Trump insurance goes through. Well, you know, one of the things that the president uh, conveniently forgets when he's talking about how the Affordable Care Act is such a disaster is that in Indiana, the premiums on the exchange for health for the uh, health care reform, uh, the uh, Affordable Care Act, actually went down. In other words, he right. keeps on talking about how the prices have gone up 100% in Arizona, and that may be true, but in Indiana, it actually went down, something yep, like 3%. Sure. And I think originally uh, President Obama, you know, uh, would have liked to put the single payer in to start with. I mean, that was was our preference. But, you know, he got watered down uh, to the point where, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, here we got a group of people in Washington, D.C. that uh, feel like it's too much and they, they want to even delete from that. Well, let's just fantasize for a moment. Let's say H.R. 676 was passed or some kind of Medicare for All was passed. How would that change your life as a representative? And I know you're planning to retire here in June, so congratulations on that. But how will, how will it affect your successor, the people that are going to actually negotiate contracts? Well, I think it would be a big burden off them. Uh, I mean, as far as at the bargaining table, as far as not having to uh, negotiate uh, and uh, go back to the people at some point in time on a ratification meeting and say, hey, you know, we got you an increase on your wages, but uh, your insurance went up um, X number of percentage, too. And it would also, I think, for the people that we represent, make them feel a lot better that they wouldn't have to worry about the uh, stream cost of health care and uh, the, you know, the costs that they, they pay per week uh, towards the health care and then uh, the, the high deductibles are out-of-pocket maximums if they do, in fact, have something happen to them because that's really began, become a big concern. Uh, in my situation, uh, some five years ago, uh, I was diagnosed with colon cancer, and uh, my timing couldn't have been any more or worse. Uh, I was diagnosed in... Uh, December, had surgery in December, spent a month in the hospital, and, you know, my out-of-pocket maximum was $3,000, which, you know, isn't real, real bad, but then, you know, it starts over again in January, and I go through the chemotherapy, and guess what, that's another three grand, so, you know, it hit me for six grand that, you know, I really wasn't anticipating, you know, I mean, before I, you know, I was diagnosed with a cancer, but, you know, um, you know, I, it was what it was, and I had to pay it. Well, it's just, uh, I'm not sure there's ever a good time to get colon cancer, but you, no, you're right. You, not. you managed to pick the absolute worst time. 
Yes, uh, I did. Hey. You know, I mean, it couldn't have been any worse timing at all. Yeah, well, thank goodness you're still with us. Uh, well, thank you, you very that, much. Appreciate you know, that. And, of course, that just uh, connects to something we hear all the time from the right, which is the United States has the best health care in the world. And then they never say the second thing, which is if you can afford it. Right, right. And yes. it's, if it's unaffordable, it becomes a really cruel hoax. Uh, so let's, let's assume that we can get uh, a Medicare for All bill passed. Your successor will go in and negotiate for a, a contract, a new contract. And the, the subject of health care insurance will never come up because yeah, yeah, everybody's already covered. And, That'd be wonderful. And when, when people leave uh, to move from uh, one of your companies to another company or they retire or they, they have kids or they get divorced or something, it's all irrelevant because if they're on Medicare or some kind of Medicare for all, it's not part of the employment problem. It's not part of the employment issue. And you would think that employers would be all over that. They, they, I, I've never met a businessman or woman who has said to me, Steve, I love that healthcare management part of my job. You know, I love hiring health or human resources people to keep track of it. I think it's a lot of fun every year to negotiate with the insurance companies. They never say that. So it's well, uh, and and the daily problems when when people uh, they either come to the company or they come to us. Say, hey, I got a bill here. What the hell's going on? And then you know you got to try to uh, figure it out with them if in fact. Uh, you know, the bill is correct, or, you know, there was an overcharge of some sort that never should have been on there. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for joining us. I know we called you just yesterday, uh, and you were so gracious with my uh, my booker and producer, Ann McGeary, and she asked me to make a special point to thank you for your courtesy to her. We thank you for coming on and helping share your very unique perspective on health care, uh, the intersection of health care politics and uh, organized labor. So we're going to sign off right now at this point. And this is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. We'll be back in just a moment or two with a few final thoughts, but uh, we're going to say goodbye to Chuck Jones. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate the opportunity to be on. A free market monster with invisible hands. Hi, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger. Contact Food Bank of West Central Texas. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Today we decided to walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14, 41, I mean 13. We took a left on Carroll Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. I realized he forgot his homework. I hope he doesn't have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals on Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals on Wheels. 
you can make a difference by dropping off a hot meal and saying a quick hello. So, America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals and Wheels America and the Ad Council. Single payer is what it's called. And I'm happy to say that we are celebrating the end of another episode of Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This one was particularly uh, interesting because we had Chuck Jones with us from Indiana, the uh, steelworkers uh, president who tangled with uh, President Trump and has joined the incredibly long list of people who were insulted by the president. But more to the point, uh, Mr. Jones was able to share with us uh, why his union has joined 650 others around the country to support the concept of Medicare for All and specifically H.R. 676. So that's about it for us this week. Many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain registration. Please uh, learn more about them. Go to their website at pair.com. That's P-A-I-R.com. Our music is courtesy of Mike Stout. Thank you, Mike. Our co-host uh, today, uh, and producer, I should say, is Ann McGarry. Thank you to Ann. Our logo is courtesy of Angel Collini. Engineering and technical support is provided by TUE Media. Uh, please visit our website at healthcare-politics.com. That's healthcare, one word, hyphen, politics. Com. And please remember the words of Martin Luther King Jr. of all forms of injustice, inequality in health care is the most shocking and inhumane. All views expressed by the hosts and guests represent their individual points of view. And until next time, always dare to be reasonable. Problem solved. Soaring costs and less access is where we evolved. From infant mortality to our lifespan, we're 37th in the world. I think we need a better plan. Money hungry ensures pharmaceutical greed. Outrageous co pays for the meds we need. In the richest nation we got on this earth Your health ain't a right Wonder all the other ones worth